And she called in, she said, Shannon, I'm so sorry it didn't work. And I remember that day so clearly because in my mind, I thought I'm never gonna become a mom. And you know, we had gone through this whole thing with so much hope and it had failed and everything was perfect. Like my body had responded well finally, the embryos looked perfect, they said, basically. Hey ladies, you're listening to the Mom Talks with Krista podcast, where I interview some of the most amazing women from those sharing knowledge related to labor, breastfeeding, and postpartum issues to everyday moms sharing stories of struggle, triumph, and the unexpected. These women are sure to give you honest conversations to help accomplish one key issue, getting rid of mom shaming. So if you want a judgment-free, open conversation, Buckle your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. This is Mom Talks with Krista. Today's guest is Shannon Leach. She's a mom of five, including a set of twins, a registered nurse, and an online fitness coach. We discussed a lot of different topics in our interview, but the main one that drew me to her was her willingness to share and inspire moms through her fertility journey. She had a lot of struggles in it, but ultimately IVF was her saving grace and allowed her to have her five children. It's such an amazing story of strength and perseverance, and it's really cool just to see how her family has grown over the years. So without further ado, here's my interview with Shannon Leach. Just to get started, can you just tell us a little bit about you and then we'll kind of go from there. My name is Shannon Leach. I am from Everett, Washington, and I'm actually a mom of five. My oldest has not yet turned six. She will be six in a couple weeks. And then I have a four-year-old, a two and a half-year-old, and our twins just turned one last weekend. So one of the things I want to talk to you about was IVF because we actually haven't had someone come on and talk about it before. And I know you went through IVF too. So I kind of want to hear a little bit about your fertility journey and then like when you decided to do IVF and kind of what that process was like for you. So actually all five of our kids um, are because of uh, three total IVF cycles. So my journey really started, I had got married to my husband and in that next year is when we kind of decided like, okay, we're ready to start a family. Um, at the time I was training actually for the Boston Marathon. Um, I happened to run it the year of the bombing, um, which still is hard to believe sometimes that that actually happened and that I was there. Um thankfully, you know, I was okay. I was safe. My family was safe, but, um, it still is just such a tragedy that I think about a lot, but it was that year I had not been having periods actually. And my doctor at the time said, let's not worry about it until you're done marathon training. We'll let your body reset. Cause, um, you know, a lot of women, um, sometimes don't have periods because their bodies are just under stress from exercise. And I'd seen that a lot. I played college soccer. And so that wasn't, um, like atypical for me to see that it, mine had actually, that had started a few years before that, even not just from marathon training. Um, but she said, let's give it through marathon training and then we'll kind of go from there. So I ended my marathon training and nothing really changed as far as my cycles went. And so that's when they started doing um, further testing. And so in some regards, I was actually lucky um, in the sense that right away we knew that um, there was an issue because um, for so many women, I am really well connected in the infertility community now, which I'm so grateful for. And so I know um, the experience of a lot of other women where they're trying for years before they actually know that there's an issue um, or they even start you know, testing to see if there is an issue or not. Cause sometimes it's just unexplained and we never know. And that's almost even more frustrating than anything. So for us, it was lucky in the sense that 
They did testing right away. They figured out that I didn't ovulate. My actual diagnosis is called hypogonadotrophic hypogonadism. Oh, <laughs> it is such a mouthful. Yeah. Um, but really, it just means I don't ovulate on my own. So they yeah. said, you're going to need fertility treatments. We can start with IUIs, which are intrauterine inseminations. Um, most people know it as artificial insemination. That's kind of the old term for it. Um, so we, I was referred to Seattle reproductive medicine. Um, a lot of insurance companies, um, don't, uh, cover infertility treatments. Mm-hmm. Mine did not. My husband's did not, even though I'm a nurse practitioner, worked in healthcare that what was allotted was $500 for a consultation visit. So that was like wiped clean in the first visit because as all of us know, healthcare and specialists are very expensive. So I um, saw her and we did two IUIs, um, both failed. Um, and at that point she said, I really think IVF is going to be your only option to get pregnant. And so we started the process um, of that um, in the fall of, that would have been 2012 or 13, I'm sorry. Um, so started the process because there's a lot of testing, there's blood work. They want to make sure that you don't have any underlying issues causing, um, the infertility diagnosis, like thyroid issues or something that's an easy fix that then you could get pregnant on your own. So did all the testing, made sure they make sure that like your tubes aren't blocked, um, so that you can actually have success that way. They test your partner or husband, um, to make sure sperm quality and count are all going to find so that, or be okay so that everything lines up um, when you actually go through the cycle. So everything testing wise looked okay. um, And we decided to move forward with it. They also make you pay up front, at least at our clinic. Financially, it's really incredibly difficult. Like I have this goal one day that I would love to be able to create a scholarship for like supporting one couple a year or something, because I feel very fortunate that we were able to do this and do this so many times, because I honestly think it's unfair that there are people out there that want to try and want, would love to like go through IVF, but can't afford it um, or aren't able to for some reason. So we did our first IVF cycle and we got a total of three embryos. And so going through it my first time, um, I was pretty um, quiet about it and reserved. I didn't share with a lot of people that I was going through it because to be honest, I held a lot of, I would say shame and guilt of something that I always wanted to be a mom. And for so many people, they want to become a mother and it seems like it should be so easy and natural and just something that happens. And so when it doesn't, it feels like what's wrong with me. And I now know that I, and I tell people like, there's nothing wrong with you, but it, it did feel that way. And I, I honestly, at one point was like, would my husband have even wanted to marry me if he knew, um, you know, that I couldn't get pregnant on my own. So it's a huge emotional roller coaster. And so for that first time, I was very quiet about it through the process, you get a calendar and you get all these medications and it can be totally overwhelming. And so it's why after the first time, then I totally opened up about it because I was like, I need, I want to be that support person to other people going through it because it was so like complex and isolating and lonely that first time that I decided it was worth it to be vulnerable, um, in the future cycles to be able to help someone else. But you get, you know, sometimes it's pills. Sometimes it was patches. Um, most of the time it includes injecting yourself into your stomach and, or your butt, (laughs) um, 
sometimes multiple times a day. And I, my body took a little bit longer to respond. So at one point I was doing the shots in my belly for a couple weeks in a row. And then you're going in for frequent blood draws to make sure your levels are rising. They're doing ultrasounds to make sure that, you know, the eggs are growing appropriately and your ovaries, everything looks okay. Everything has to line up so perfectly in order for it all to work. And at one point they, I, I wasn't responding well to the hormones and they had thought they were going to have to cancel the cycle, which is devastating because you've already paid for it. And if they cancel it, it's just like, well, sorry, you're done. (laughs) Um, But thankfully we were able to proceed. They do an egg retrieval. And so you're under um, some anesthesia. They get out the eggs. um, They fertilize them with um, sperm, whether that's donor sperm, your husband's sperm, partner sperm, whoever. And then the next day you'll get a report of how many actually fertilize. And then the goal is typically that they become what's called a blastocyst um, and a day five blastocyst meaning that they, it'll have the best chance to implant and become a successful pregnancy. So we ended up with three blastocysts and they, we decided to transfer two, um, which is always a discussion to be had with your doctor because often they, depending on your um, history and your age and so many different factors, a lot of times they'll recommend just one and they did recommend one, but we felt strongly about two. Um, So we did transfer two fresh embryos that first time. And then there's this nine to 14 day waiting period, depends on your clinic, um, where you just wait to see if it worked. And that is, it's called the two week wait. And it's honestly like the longest time of your entire life. You want to find anybody else that's gone through it because it's like, I mean, it feels like an eternity. And so I, you, I busied myself and I would like watch all the shows and just have like events planned, which now obviously couldn't happen during quarantine, but, and then some people choose to do an at-home pregnancy test, maybe like five days later or seven days later, but it's important to not do it too early because, um, the shots that you get sometimes to release the eggs actually has HCG in it. So it's, it's so complicated. Um, so the first time I actually did not do an at-home test. And so the day that the doctor was supposed to call, I was just waiting and waiting and waiting. And it was a day off work. And she called and she said, Shannon, I'm so sorry it didn't work. And I remember that day so clearly because in my mind, I thought I'm never going to become a mom. And, you know, we had gone through this whole thing with so much hope and it had failed and everything was perfect. Like my body had responded well, finally, the embryos looked perfect, they said, basically, and it still didn't work. And so um, that was a really hard time, but Thankfully, um, I am a mom of five, so it ended up working out well. We, you have to wait a certain amount of time for your body to kind of reset. We then transferred our frozen embryo, which is now my daughter who will be six in December. Um, so then a couple years later, we went through the same process. And so we've gone through three total um, IVF cycles. The second round, we also got three embryos. We transferred two the first time and that uh, one stuck. That's my older son, Jameson. And then we had a frozen embryo left of that batch. And that is Madden, our two and a half year old. And he was a frozen embryo transfer. And then um, we had always said we wanted three or four kids. I was more leaning towards four. My husband was more towards three, mm-hmm. um, mostly because I am from a family with four kids and he's from a family of three kids. So we decided to go for a fourth, um, which meant we had to do the third IVF round, IVF cycle. And we actually only ended up with two embryos. We transferred both and we have twins. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, how cool. It's like such a cool like journey story to kind of show like how um you know kind of you made your family of uh seven now it's yeah. in those kind of hard times especially when it like didn't stick like how did you keep yourself like positive and just kind of focusing on like the goal at hand and what you really wanted um cuz i'm sure some of those days you know weren't weren't easy and that's why i try to be support system to people going through it because there are times you lose embryos or you get no eggs or um, even people get pregnant and then they lose the pregnancy and the baby, which is just absolutely horrible. There's so many losses through this and difficult times. It just was so important that I held on to the hope and I would take success stories and just think, if it can happen for them, it can happen for me. Um, and that's what I hope to share with other people is to share it in a way that helps them be hopeful. And so many people have so kindly said, like, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's held me, like, gave me that hope when things seem really hard and really dark. But one thing that really helped me um, through every different cycle, I would wear a piece of jewelry um, that had some sort of like saying or phrase, um, that really helped. And so the first time was there is always hope. And I wore it and I looked at it every single day and it was kind of my mantra. And then the second cycle was, um, a necklace that said faith in, um, the first written language in Ireland, cause I'm Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last time just said breathe cause it was, it, so important, you know, in times of stress to just take that deep breath. Um, and so I think that, it's just so important to remember that at some point, if you want to become a mom, there are so many ways to become a mom. And, um, I have no doubt that if that is what, um, is the end goal, it'll happen. And it, it, for me was not in any way, the path that I thought it would be the journey to get there made me appreciate motherhood so much more and has allowed me to connect with so many people that I never would have. We have this thing in the infertility world is said a lot, like the club you never want to be a part of, but it's also like the world's most amazing club. And I have connected with some of the most incredible people as a result and just kind of have that bond. But I think just also finding whether it's your spouse, your partner, a best friend, one person that is going to be that beacon of light for you, that when your hope is kind of dwindling, because of course there was times where I thought like, it's never going to work. I'm never going to become a mom. And my husband was my rock then. And he was the one who, you know, didn't falter or my mom and my sister. And so I think having somebody that is going to have unwavering belief and unwavering hope um, that it's going to work out so that they can pour that into you too. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's so important because just that support system. This podcast is sponsored by Mommy Knows Best. Are you looking for a lactation cookie that's not only effective but tastes good? Mommy Knows Best offers an assortment of lactation cookies, brownies, and our newest ready-to-eat lactation cookies, perfect for on-the-go moms. We offer six different flavors, including a dairy and gluten-free option. And let me tell you guys, you would not even know it's dairy and gluten-free unless someone told you it's It's so good. Mommy Knows Best empowers all moms with the tools and resources necessary to give your newborn the best start in life. With an assortment of lactation treats and supplements that contain all natural herbal remedies traditionally and effectively used for generations to treat low milk supply. 
Whether you're a new mom or a pro, Mommy Knows Best gives you plenty of options, all of which are created with the health and safety of both baby and mom in mind. Right now, Mommy Knows Best is offering 20% off when you use the code MOMTALKS at mommyknowsbest.com. That's M-O-M-T-A-L-K-S for 20% off. Now that you are a mom of five, including a set of twins, what kind of tips do you have for moms watching to make that time for yourself? I think it is absolutely essential. Whatever fills your cup to make time for it, because I think it's so easy as a mom, and especially for me struggling to become a mom, and that's you know all I ever wanted, to pour everything and give everything of you to your kids and maybe to your partner, to your to your job. And it's really easy to put yourself on the back burner, especially right now. I feel like every part of me (laughs) is having to go other places. But I also know that I am a much better mom. I am a much better partner and wife to my husband when I do the self-care things. And that looks different to so many different people. To some people, self-care is making sure they're going for a walk with their best friend so that they have some other, you know, conversation other than with your children or your partner, especially during quarantine, even if it's messed up. For me, that is absolutely exercise and maybe it's yoga. It's a good book. So I make it a priority to, I get up every morning at 515 and my husband and I work out together actually. And it's I kind of like the best date ever <laughs> um, in bonding time and it's time for us and it's before the kids wake. And I prefer that because it really is then like, I get to focus on me. I don't have the mom, 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 Hey mom, Hey mom, Hey mom. Or, you know, all throughout the day, then it's like, if I'm trying to do anything, I literally have like three kids asking me questions and trying to multitask. And so putting aside time, whether that is first thing in the morning and maybe that's journaling for you or reading a book or just a cup of coffee that you can actually drink that doesn't get cold and you have to reheat, which happens to me almost every single day with my tea. But just time blocking, like figuring out what time of day can I have to myself? And maybe it doesn't happen every single day. For me, exercise is a priority. So most days it happens. And then at night I'm trying to read because that fills my cup. So I think just writing down like what it is that you need to be your best self and not necessarily even the best mom or the best wife, but your best self to feel fulfilled and to feel like truly happy because right now is so hard. It like, I don't care who you talk to. It is, this is not easy for any woman or moms, especially it is so hard. And so I think just that saying where if you don't put like you have to put your, your own oxygen mask on first and that's why they do it in airplanes because you can't survive <laughs> without you can and you can't help anybody else unless you're actually filling your own cup too and putting on your own oxygen mask women and moms just they have this natural like caretaking in them where they want to take care of everyone else and then a lot of times they're like last in line so if you don't schedule out that time and really remember like what makes you happy and what makes your, you know, fill your, fills your cup so easy to feel depleted. Glennon Doyle. I'm sure you know her. Yes. Look. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love, she talked about that we have been raised in a world where like, it's, 
almost like it's a good thing to be selfless, but it becomes so much that we often then forget ourselves. And I once also heard of like, where do you fall on your to-do list? And usually like most people would be like, oh, I, I'm, I'm dead last, you know, when we're, in reality, we need to be number one, because in order to do all the other things, well, we have to take care of ourselves. So mm-hmm. I really try to help women do that in whatever way it is for them. Cause it's, it looks different for everybody. Some people it's a pedicure or a bath, you know, I'm not a bath person, <laughs> but for some people it is. And it's just figuring out what that is for you. And you kind of mentioned, you know, how you have this community to help other moms and to encourage them. So tell us a little bit more about this community you have and like how people can kind of can get involved with, with it. I have a couple of different avenues. I'm actually a Beachbody coach, so an online health and fitness coach. And I run virtual boot camps, but more than I you hear the term boot camp and you think it's only about fitness um, or nutrition. And yes, those are big pieces of it. But at the core of it is just a group of women and a lot of moms that want to find time for themselves. And so we are connected and I like, especially with quarantine, I get a touch base with them every single day. And when I don't feel like doing a workout, they're there, you know, like showing up and cheering me on and supporting one another. Um, And so we have that element. And then I have my team that I'm building that's this amazing community as well. And then I also have, I started a Facebook group for fertility support that has nothing to do with my, my health and fitness. Um, and the reason I did that again is because when I first um, started, I was so alone. It felt so lonely. And I went to an in-person support group and met a couple girls. And that really was like my life raft. And so I wanted to have a private safe place for other people to have that support. So I have that on Facebook as well. And then on Instagram, I just have connected with so many people, um, and Facebook, but more Instagram. Cause I think that's how you find people that are, are like you, right. Is searching hashtags and seeing who's going through it and just connecting with other people, um, and trying to support them, whether it's through motherhood, their fertility journey, being a twin mom. I am just so grateful for social media from that regard, because I think right now, so many people could view social media as a negative thing just because of everything this world has gone through this year. Um, but to me, it's the most positive outlet and has connected me to the most amazing people like you, I would never have been able to meet otherwise. And so I just love connecting there. And so for anybody that wants to reach out or has questions or is struggling with infertility or I struggle with anxiety and all these things, and I'm a totally open book. Um, so that's the best place to reach me is probably, um, email message, (laughs) whatever. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I always say like with social media, it's like, there's a happy medium. Like I think, you know, obviously there's with all the craziness right now and then all the political stuff, it was, you know, it was getting like hard on there with COVID too. There's always, it seems like disagreements and stuff, but there's so much beauty in Facebook and Instagram too, because of the connection. And I had a psychologist on the show once and she talked about the transition into motherhood. And one of the best ways for moms is joining Facebook groups Mm -hmm. and to be a part of online communities. And it's like, we didn't have this, you know, 10 years ago. So, you know, it's so cool that, right. I don't, when did Facebook come out? 
maybe 2008 came out. I don't know when Facebook groups came out. So it's just such a powerful thing. So that's, that's so cool that you offer a couple of different avenues for women to connect and empower each other. Oh, thank you. It's more than anything. Like I hope that I help other people, but just by me being in the group, I get so much out of it. And especially right now where we can't go out, we can't do things like that. Social connection is you know, critical. <laughs> yeah. It's so important. So I kind of want to switch gears a little bit too, because I know there's a couple other topics we wanted to talk about. So one is tandem breastfeeding because, you know, we're, we're a breastfeeding company. So we get tons of questions about this as well. So that'd be really cool just to hear about your experience, any tips you have for moms watching and any advice. When I found out I was pregnant with twins and then moving towards the end of my pregnancy, I tried to reach out and find out like, is there anybody that like tandem breastfeeds? And I heard some success stories, but then I also heard a lot that was like, oh, I couldn't produce enough or, you know, it was too hard to do both. So I was kind of skeptical and like worried that I wouldn't be able to do it. But the nurses at our hospital were so amazing and were just like, okay, here we go. Um, And the twinsy pillow is absolutely hands down, like the number one thing that I would recommend that I still use to this day. I used earlier this morning with my twins. It's this big giant pillow that like, there's a part that goes over your back and then it basically wraps around your body and you can click it in. And so the way that I sit with them is I do, um, their heads are here. And so they're both laying here on the pillow and then they nurse at both at the same time. I did see like a lactation um, consultant within a first couple of days, um, which I would recommend if you have access to that too, because she just helped ensure that they were getting enough milk right away, which put me as at ease. I've been very, very blessed with a good milk supply in that we just hit their first birthday and they were um, exclusively breastfed. And I've been able to actually donate probably a thousand ounces already so far to other moms. And I'm holding on to some for just because who knows, and I'm actually planning on continuing to breastfeed them, especially through the flu season. Um, And I'm going to kind of let them drive the ship because I shared recently in a post, but I always had to stop breastfeeding my other kids early. The reason being is because I was starting a new IVF cycle. And so you had to have like all the the breastfeeding hormones out of your body because they wanted to so tightly control all the hormones. Mm -hmm. Um, so with my daughter, I went nine months, um, but had enough frozen to get her, I think to 11 months, my son, then I had to be done just a month early. So I breastfed him for 10 months, got him through a year with the frozen milk. And then with our third, I was able to make it to a year and then stop cold Turkey, which I probably wouldn't recommend that. (laughs) That was pretty painful. Um, but what I want to say to twin moms about tandem breastfeeding is just know it is 100% possible. And it's actually like the most amazing, it's very empowering and beautiful thing because like they're holding hands a lot of the times. And now it's a little bit annoying because like my son, especially he'll reach over and like grab my daughter's nipple from her. And then it's like squirting all over her face. And sorry if this is like TMI for the show, you can cut it out. But like, so it's not always handholding. It's absolutely 100% doable. It's actually so much more efficient and effective. Like to be able to do both at once is awesome. You know, don't doubt yourself. And I know, I know that not every woman 
is able to breastfeed. And I 100% like want to bring attention to that because I know there's so many that want to and can't. And I feel grateful that I'm able to, and I feel so sad for those who want to so desperately. But I also just want to say that I always say that fed and loved is best. It doesn't matter how they get the milk, if it's formula or breast milk. One of our team members here is a mom of twins. And she was talking to about when she first had them, she was like, she would like change one diaper and then change the other diaper. And then she's like, they were on all these different schedules. She's like, once I was like feeding them at the same time, then they were on the same schedule. So she's like, it weirdly made everything easier. She's like, I got an extra two minutes where like, I wasn't, you know, going from one twin to the next. She's like, I was just, they were on the same schedule. So it made it easier. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing I would say to twin moms is as much as you can just get them on the same schedule. So my aunt had twins and that there was a piece of advice. She was like, one wakes up, you're waking the other one up. And it's so counterintuitive if you've ever had just one baby, because it's always like, oh my gosh, never wake a sleeping baby. But with twins, you want them on the same cycle. And like people joke, but it's true. Like they actually like poop most of the time at the same time. <laughs> All these weird things that are totally in sync, but they, their schedules are very much synced now. And it's so much more efficient and effective when they're like done at the same time. It's and now, and just know that it, it gets shorter and they get more effective because at first it seems like that's literally all I was doing, you know, in the beginning was feeding them because it, it's not easy and you're trying to adjust and, and juggle and hold two and like one's popping off. And um, so just give yourself so much grace and, you know, be patient with it and be patient with them, but know that it's absolutely 100% possible and you can do it for a year or more. <laughs> and then on the other side of that, you have experience with baby led weaning. And we actually get a lot of questions about weaning as well. You know, like when's the right time, how, you know, how to do it. And we just had someone on from Solid Starts, which is, you know, baby led weaning company kind of talk about it. So I just wanted to know if you would share kind of your experience with weaning and any tips that you had for moms as well. I've done it with most of our kids kind of in various stages. I would say my daughter, not so much where I did a lot more spoon fed and with the twins, we started out with, um, definitely doing some spoon fed stuff of a little bit of oatmeal and anything that was like pureed we did ourselves. And I, I, I don't think they've had any like canned baby food actually this year. Cause it was just easier to make it myself. And I was home for the first time, you know, for a long time, but we then just kind of started, I had a baby led weaning um, book and um, also met a girl on Instagram, um, the Ellie house. And I can share that with you. Um, maybe for show notes or something, but she had a lot of experience and I was able to like look through her guide. And so that kind of helped guide me, but just started out with like softer foods. So I would like do like butternut squash and sweet potatoes. Um, and then just kind of gradually like move to things that they could grab. Um, and now we're to the point, I mean, they eat better than my three toddlers. I'm not even kidding. Like my doctor was like, so what foods have they tried? And I was like, pretty much everything except like grapes and hot dogs. And that's because those are like big choking hazards, you know, but they'll eat our like chili that we made and they love spaghetti noodles. And so it just, um, I think it's important though to like, I, I would Google like this, what should kids this age be eating or follow someone's guide or a book, but it's just amazing to me. They 
you put something in front of them and they, they just grab it and they just know what to do. And most of the time, and you just watch them the first couple of times. And I would always try to not introduce anything new, um, like give it a couple of days to make sure there's no allergic reaction or things like that. But I love that it, it made everything so much easier because when there's three other kids running around and you're trying to feed spoon feed too, it's actually kind of exhausting. <laughs> Um, and granted it is, our mealtime is so messy. It's such a joke. Like there's food all over the floor. It's getting better actually. So I highly recommend the bibs that have like the catching thing, um, because that saves so much and they'll like reach in and grab and like (laughs) eat the leftovers. But other things that like we started with that were super easy were like watermelon sticks, you know, pieces of toast, um, where we introduced nut butters pretty early, um, based on like the guidelines and what they recommend. Um, so like toast with a nut butter or, um, I mean, all the things you can think of really is, it's just starting with soft stuff. Um, and things that are easy for them to grab. Um, that's the key is that they can grab and then moving on more like things that, you know, are like smaller, but actually help them work on like their little pincher grasp and the various things. So it's, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to watch them explore and it's actually so entertaining to watch them eat and (laughs) it's very cute. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I loved, um, yeah, I just kind of like learned about it this year with having Jenny from Solid Starts on here and kind of talking about, because it kind of puts the control back into your baby almost and they can kind of figure out what, how to eat and certain things. So it's kind of cool. Awesome. I feel like we covered a lot of really cool topics. And so it's awesome. I really appreciate you like sharing your story with us and really letting me just kind of ask you so many different questions. So I always like to end these interviews with fun thinking questions, I like to call them. And so my one question is, if you could have a billboard made today where you could share one tip with moms everywhere, what would you have it say? That's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) I think what I would have it say is, this too shall pass, mama. And the reason I say that is because my sister gave me a piece of jewelry that said that. She tends to give me everything. (laughs) But what she said, and it was after I had my second, because um, for many that have multiple children, every time you add a new one to the mix, it there's changes and it feels hard. And there's moments where you think like, I'm never like, am I ever going to sleep again through the night? You know, am I going to be able to survive this? And I remember we brought our twins home for the first time. And thankfully for us, it was pre COVID. So my mom had come up with us because our kids are very young. And one of my kids thought he was like, being nice to the twins. It was our, he was just, you know, barely two then. And he threw a book at the twins, brand new, like home. And I just started sobbing. And I was like, oh my God, like (laughs) they're not even going to survive. Like they're siblings. But this too shall pass because the hard moments, they will pass and you'll get through it. But I also think it's so important to remember that the really good and beautiful moments that you want to hold on to are also going to pass. And so while you're in the moment, like just cherishing those quiet moments that you're just holding that teeny tiny baby on your chest, because pretty soon they're going to be too big to do that. Or with your older kids, when they want to crawl in your lap and read a book, because at some point they won't want to, there's a beautiful book that's like, let me hold you a little bit longer. And I cry every single time because it is like, this might be the last moment of this. And so I think it's so often we hear the phrase, this too shall pass. And we think of it just as like, 
we will get through the hard stuff. We will get through the hard stuff, but it really is the longest, shortest time, um, especially in the early years. And just remembering to grab tightly to those beautiful moments, even when it's like amidst the really hard ones too. And also just embrace that those hard moments that you get through are just making you stronger and making you like a better woman and mom and just trying to do everything you can to remember the beautiful moments, whether that's with like photographs or whatever, because I know that I miss so much already about those early days, even though I wasn't sleeping at all and I was waking every couple hours. Um, but now that we're, our family's complete, um, there are parts of me that wish I could have frozen time, you know? Mm-hmm, definitely. I love that. I love that quote and looking at it both angles where it's, you know, in those hard moments, like it'll, you know, you'll get through it and, you know, those fun moments, enjoy it and really be in that moment. I love that because definitely heard that quote, but I haven't always heard it explained that way. So I love that. Awesome. Well, for everyone watching, where can they find you and follow you um, on social media? So I'm on um, Facebook and um, Shannon Leach and in, it might say parentheses Dylan because um, that's my maiden name. Um, and then I am on Instagram as well. I'm at underscore Shannon Leach underscore. So if you search me, you um, hopefully will find me there. Lots of pictures of my kiddos and fitness. And then I also actually have um, a website, um, which is www.shannonleach.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And it was so nice meeting you, Shannon. You as well. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mom Talks with Krista podcast. For more information about this show, past shows, or to check out our YouTube channel, please see our show notes. If you loved the show, please share it with your mom tribe. The bigger, the better. Thanks for listening and have a great day.